Welcome to the Reinvest Podcast, a podcast that is based on building confidence for you to manage your personal finances and the ministry finances that you've been entrusted with. Thank you. Um, this will probably be the roughest uh, section that we'll have in this conference, so bear with me. Uh, I always do uh, a lot of prep work whenever I'm putting together a seminar, and I write it all down, and I have all my notes and stuff, and then I get started, and I never look at it again, and then I have to look back and be like, did I talk about that on the slide? And so this time, my wife went through and prepared the slides for me because she said, your slides are terrible, and I was like, all right, well, you do it. So if you don't like these slides, you can tell her about it. Um, so the topic for my session today is looking, looking ahead. Um, and, I, and I gave it this, this uh, subtitle, Strategic Planning for Financial Life. Um, so the stuff I'm going to talk about today is strategic planning. That's what I'm going to talk about. It's going to have a financial theme to it because strategic planning is financial. Um, the, the stuff that I'm going to talk about, it can be applied to your personal life. It can be applied to your church life, business life. It, it, it's all interrelated because it's just planning. That's, it's called strategic planning. It has a business term, but it's just planning is all it is. But you're doing it at a detailed level so that you are looking at all the aspects that could go out. But I'm going to try to make it as simple and as understandable as I can. Uh, so, and I'm a type of person that if you have a question in the middle of my thing, please ask me because if not, we'll be done in about 20 minutes and they'll be like, oh, well, let's stand up here for a second. So, um, we'll try to, we'll try to keep it, it moving and stuff. But if you have a question, please, if, if I say something, you're like, I don't even know what that means. Just let me know and I'll try to, I'll try to fill in the gaps. Um, so when I was thinking about this. I thought, if you're going to leave this place today and head to Lake Tahoe, how would you get there? Would you just walk out the front door and head west? Or would you consult GPS? Would you ask Alexa? Would you Google it? Would you pull out a paper map? And for those who are, they don't know their geography very well, this is where Lake Tahoe is. <laughs> So the, the truth is, if you just walked out the door and you just wandered there, you could probably find it eventually. But it's going to take a lot of time, and you're going to use a lot more effort to get there, and it's not going to be a quick trip. When you get there, you're not going to be prepared for being there because you're going to spend all your time and effort just trying to get there. And believe it or not, that's the way most people approach their financial life and their planning for retirement and their future ministry is they just like, well, it's down the road. I know it's in this direction, so I'm just going to head that way. And there's no asking Alexa. There's no any of that preparation. And we'll plan more to take a trip than we will for our financial futures. And so that was the idea of kind of how I was preparing this thing. And so we're going to reference a lot of Lake Tahoe stuff, okay? So if you don't like Lake Tahoe, sorry. <laughs> um, one of the things that I will mention through here is when I say uh, 
personal financial life, that's just your life. Like, our, our finances are tied to our lives so um, closely that it's the same as your personal health. And so when I say financial life, that just means your day-to-day -day life. You have to have finances to live. And so that's what we're talking about. When we talk about financial life, we're talking about your daily life, okay? All right, so getting started in this, I'm going to break it down into five steps. Um, strategic planning can be, I mean, you could, you could have a 57-step plan if you wanted to, but I'm going to try to break it down into five, and, so, and I'm going to try to make it as general as possible. If you have, like, more, like, I need more detail on that stuff, then just let me know, and I'll try to fill in some of those things. But the five steps start with discover, dream, design, implement, and review. And the first stage is determining your position, and this is your discovery phase. Most people, whenever they start out on a trip, like if you're going to head to Lake Tahoe, where you're at currently will affect your route dramatically. So if you're trying to leave from Maine and go to Lake Tahoe, it's very different if you're leaving from Florida to go to Lake Tahoe. Most people skip this step. They don't learn where they're at to start the journey. They're just like, well, it's west of here, so I'm going to go. And so determining your position is is probably the, one of the most vital steps in getting that thing, because without that, then you're not going to know what you have uh, as far as your resources, what you have as uh, baggage that you're going to take uh, with you and things like that. And so, you know, a plan for someone starting their financial life, if you're starting right out of college with piles of debt and little to no income, it's very different than if you're starting at age 50 with piles of debt and little to no income. You know, you're going to have a difference in there as to you're still heading in the same direction, but your route is going to be very different. And so we start by asking, um, where are we now? And so that you know kind of how to position yourself to get started. And so this is not even planning. This is just getting ready to start planning is what we're talking about here. Um, one of the things that... I'm going to throw in here that is going to be a very business term, but it, I think it helps illustrate what you're trying to do is, is preparing a SWOT analysis of your life. Um, a SWOT analysis just stands for strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Um, we can break these down into questions that you can ask yourself uh, to help uh, find these key things in your life. Um, you know, your strengths are just what you're good at, uh, whether it's a uh, positive financial picture, uh, income, work ethic, uh, location, if you're debt-free, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the things that are going to be your strengths. Your weaknesses are uh, what's bad, uh, what are you bad at. And so if, if you uh, have a negative financial picture, you're, uh, you're a shopaholic, you have lots of credit card debt, um, you're in a place that's uh, economically depressed, you know, those type of things, those are going to be weaknesses that you're going to have to overcome. Uh, opportunities are what's available to us. That's jobs, uh, investments, uh, education, basically anything that's in your realm that you can use as a resource, that's going to be your opportunities. And then the threats are things that can hurt you 
uh, which would be uh, the economy, uh, job market decline, uh, you know, you could even throw in personal spending habits into that one as well. Uh, but those are the things that you need to identify before you start your plan so that you can combat those uh, in your plan. Uh, doing the analysis will kind of give you a snapshot of the things that you're doing uh, well and things you need to improve on. Uh, it also gives you uh, the things that you could take advantage of and the things you need to avoid. Um, knowing this gives you an advantage in starting to develop your plan. Uh, this last thing I had, it says recognize the key players in your life. You're not taking this trip by yourself if you're married, if you have a family, and so you have to include that person in your plan. Um, don't, don't say, well, I'm headed to Lake Tahoe, see ya, and uh, not involve them in that. But also realize that they'll have to have a SWOT analysis done on them as well so that you two can compare because you're together on this, you're a team. Um, once you get that kind of stuff, you can start planning for your trip as, as the way you're going. Um, you don't want to get, without this, then you're starting off wondering before you even make your plan. And so this kind of gives you that solid footing to get started on. And then once you get through this, then that's whenever you can start to develop your plan and um, gathering your resources and stuff. Uh, when you develop your strategy, that's the dream phase. Um, let me go back for a second. The, the, this is the dream phase. In the business world, this is the mission, vision, value, core values, uh, competitive advantage, long-term things. That's the business side of that. Uh, for, for our purposes, it can all be boiled down into the simple question of where do we want to be? Um, so when we, when we talk about where do we want to be in the dream phase, all right, so we said Lake Tahoe is where we want to go. But where we're actually wanting to go is number 11, uh, 1169 Lakeshore Boulevard, an incline village in, uh, on Lake Tahoe. This is a beautiful four-bedroom, six-bath home on Lake Tahoe with panoramic views of the lake and the Sierras, and it only costs $9.9 .9 million. So this is our dream house. I picked this one because it's almost ridiculous, but I do like it. Um, so whenever, whenever you're in the dream phase, it, it's called the dream phase. And so your dreams need to be big. Um, a lot of times when it comes to, uh, especially our pastors, um, we have a problem with dreaming big because all we see is this is our income now and we'll never get to $9.9 .9 million dollars. Not saying that you need a $9.9 .9 million house, I'm just saying it, it's not outside of your realm. Most of you guys are under 40, and so you have enough time that if you really wanted to make this happen, you could, even in the positions that you are now. Um, but that's part of the, the next step is following through on what your dreams are. Um, but again, this is a phase that when you're dreaming, 
you have to acknowledge the resources that you have available. You have to realize that it's going to take work to make your dreams come true. And you have to make sure that your dreams and your spouse's dreams are aligned. Um, you know, for, for most of you, when I said 9.9 .9 million, that was like, well, checked out. I'm not going to be there. But the truth is, that with, with a plan, you may not get to 9.9 .9 million, but you'll be a whole lot further than where you think that you can be. Um, as a personal note, when me and my wife got married, I told her, this is my plan, this is what I want to do. And she said, well, that'll never happen. <laughs> Three years ago, we paid off our house. We did all these things because that was the plan that we made, and we made the sacrifices to make it happen. And so now when I say, well, I think that I would like to do this, or I think that we should plan on doing this, then she's like, well, I could see us doing that. And I'm like, yeah, three years ago you said, well, that will never happen. And so getting everybody on the same page, and as you check off those small victories, understanding that we can actually do a whole lot more than what we think that we can. Um, when your dreams align, then it makes everything run smoother, and you're working together on things instead of fighting against one another on stuff. Um, when the when the dream phase, when you get through your dreams and your spouse's dreams align, then the next step is the dream phase is your easy phase. Um, it's easy to dream. It's easy to to do that. The next part is the part where you're actually having to make those dreams and stretch out a plan to get to those dreams. Um, and this is the one that we'll spend more time with. Um, and it's planning the details. So the, the first stage, you're just finding out where you're at. You're finding out your resources. The second stage is just the, hey, let's sit back and think, you know, where do we want to be? Uh, what do we want to do? That kind of thing. Um, and then this one is like, all right, so those were our dreams. Now, how are we going to make those dreams happen? Um, with, with this stage, details make all the difference. You, you would be surprised how many people say, this is my plan, and they have just a basic outline of what that plan is. Um, life is very complicated, and so your plan will have to be very complicated in order to offset the things that you're going to run into as you're walking this life. And so being very detailed in your plans is very important. Um, you know, breaking it down into uh, setting your priorities and your goals and communicating with one another uh, is very important. You need to find uh, uh, key performance indicators that, key, that can help track your progress so you know whether you're uh, on track or off track or lost in the woods someplace or you're headed to Canada instead of Lake Tahoe. Or, you know, you, you need to have those type of things. Uh, you need to divide your plan up into manageable portions. Um, whenever we say, oh, well, I want this in retirement, and your retirement's 50 years away, 40 years away, 30 years away, things get fuzzy. You know, our sight's not very keen when it's that far out. And so the shorter you can, you can make those chunks manageable, the easier it is for you to stay on track of where you're trying to go. And so, you know, in business, you'll have 
your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. You need to have that in your personal life as well. You need to have a five-year plan, your 10-year plan. Now, those plans aren't set in stone. If something were to happen or something, you can adjust those. But having that goal keeps you on track so that you know that your long-term goal is still on the horizon and you're clicking off things to get to that long-term goal. Um, the other thing is you have to make sure that everybody's on the same page to accomplish a goal. Uh, this goes back to not just your spouse, but also your family members as well. Um, if, if your kids are doing things and stuff like that and you're trying to be present with them, then that's going to affect your long-term goal. So you can't say, well, no, we're trying to save for a $9.9 million house in Lake Tahoe, so you can't play ball this season and you can't do that. So you have to make sure everybody's on the same team uh, when you go through that. Um, this is the one... I put an asterisk on this one for the budgeting side. Um, this is a pet peeve of mine, um, especially in church ministry. Uh, we'll budget stuff for one year that has no correlation to what our long-term goals are. Um, a lot of people will set their budget and say, well, this is how much money we're making, this is how much we can spend, and they never put a thought into, all right, we're trying to get to a $9.9 .9 million house, how is our budget this year aligning with that goal? And so kind of thinking through that as to, you know, how you're setting your priorities and how you're setting your short-term budgets and stuff is very important to be able to make sure that your long-term goals are being met. And at the same rate, if your short-term stuff is lining up with your long-term stuff, your long-term stuff gets to be a lot easier. A lot of people, when they get into this, design uh, part of the, of the phase, uh, they start to um, get discouraged with how they're, with how they're, uh, what they're going to have to sacrifice with their present self um, to supply their future needs. Um, too often we will sacrifice future needs for present wants. Um, there was a study done several years ago on researchers where they were doing it on health and wellness, but the same principles apply to everything. And so basically they would, if we were having this conference a month ago and we called you and said, all right, at our snack break, we're going to have apples and bananas and oranges, or you can have cookies and cake. The vast majority of you would say, we want apples, oranges, and bananas or before the conference started. But when we got here, if we had them both out, most of you would take cookies and cake. Because back then, you were like, well, this is the best thing for me. But then when it actually got to your present self, then you were like, oh, well, I want the easy, I want the good, I want the sweet. Uh, and so the same principle applies for whenever you're planning your future. It's easy to sit and plan and say, well, this is what we need to do. But then when the day gets there where it's like, all right, you need to deduct this from your paycheck and send it to your retirement account or invest this money or something like that, it's a lot easier to say, yeah, but I would really like to have a speedboat or a truck. <laughs> and so being able to keep your plan, keep your family accountable to one another uh, helps you to stay on track with that so that, you know, if if I said, 
two weeks ago, I really need to start eating more apples and not as many cookies. And I told Ash that, and then whenever it came time to eat, and Ash said, well, are you going to eat that cookie? You said you wanted to eat more apples. And so I still may eat the cookie and the apple, but uh, <laughs> it, at least there's a reminder there that will try to steer me in the right direction. And so thinking about how communication plays through this, uh, having more people on your team that are all pushing you in the same direction makes you a whole lot more likely to stick to your, what your plan is. Um, I didn't overload my presentation with scripture, so this is the only scripture reference. <laughs> it's the only scripture reference in the whole thing. We, we've read it several times, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about recognizing opportunities um, because that's one of the things that, especially with um, pastors that I've found, is you don't realize the opportunities that you have. Um, you look at, you know, well, we get paid this much, we get this, and that's what you focus on, but you don't look at all the other opportunities that are out there that are available to really just pastors that most people don't have the opportunity for. Um, now, I was supposed to say this at the first of my session, and I forgot, so I'm going to say it now. I'm not financially advising anybody in this room. Um, this is just for your general knowledge and education, so please don't take anything that I say as me advising you on what to do, okay? That's my disclaimer. All right, so unique opportunity that is for a pastor basically only. Uh, Church-provided parsonage. All right, for most of my life, uh, we grew up uh, in a bivocational home. My dad was a pastor, uh, and we had our own home because dad had bought it before he ever went into the pastor, and we lived in that house. But a lot of the churches that we went to, they had parsonages that were allowed, but we never really stayed in any. Um, pastors, there's a few others in the IRS code that allow for housing allowance, but pastors are the, are the main ones that get housing allowance. Um, most people that have a parsonage, it's part of their pay package, and most of the time now, the spouse is going to work as well, or the pastor is going to be bivocational, and, and so they have this housing that is provided for them, and they don't, they don't have uh, any expenses that are uh, tied to that. What I've seen mostly through my uh, tenure at the office is if they're in a situation like that, then the pastor works very hard to buy their own personal house to move out of the parsonage and into that house, All right? which is fine. And the reason that they do that is because one day whenever they leave the church, they want to have a place to live and they don't want to be homeless, and it makes perfect sense. The problem is, is is that the best opportunity for that pastor? Would it not make more sense for you to stay in the parsonage, still buy a house, but buy a rent house, and then have that pay for itself so that whenever you get out, your house is paid for, it's provided for, you're still living in the parsonage, you have rental income coming in. That's a unique opportunity that only pastors have. When, when you start thinking about some of those things that are in your life, there's a lot more opportunities out there for you to increase your wealth. 
to increase what you're able to do in retirement, uh, that you just have to kind of look through your SWOT analysis and say, all right, what are the opportunities that we actually have? What are the details that we can actually make work for us to get us to what that long-term goal is, that long-term plan is? Um, walking through, you know, this, this uh, analogy of, you know, having the, the house and stuff, um, let's say you stay at the church for 10 years. It takes you about five years to get your first house lined up. You pay for it. You get a renter in there, and they're paying the mortgage and stuff like that. The, you stay for another five years. You can either pay off this house so that you just have straight income coming in, or you invest it in another property, and then you have two rental incomes. At some point, you're making enough off of your stuff that you don't have to worry so much about whether your spouse is working, if they want to stay home with the kids and stuff. And it opens up more opportunities for you to be able to do ministry in your later years that you're not having to say, all right, I'm tied to this church. I have to do. You have that freedom to where if you know, there's issues or something like that and you need to move someplace else, you have that freedom, that opportunity. And, you know, as is common in our realm, we want you to continue to do ministry throughout your life. When you retire, you're not done. You're just doing something different. But it's still a ministry for the Lord. And so we want you to have the freedom to do whatever ministry God calls you to, not to be tied to, well, this is the only way I can make money. This is the only way that I can support my family. This is the only way. And so opening up those options... Um, just gives you uh, more freedom to, to be able to do things for, that God would call you to. Thank you for listening to the Reinvest Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at reinvestfwb.com. Please subscribe to the Reinvest Podcast through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and more.